0: Welcome everyone to a bonus episode of the Virtual Coffee Break with the MSU Extension Dairy Team. My name is Martin Mangual, Dairy Educator with Michigan State University Extension. Here in Michigan, the majority of the crops are off the fields, which means it's time to spread manure for many dairies across the state. Today's episode features two environmental educators with Michigan State University Extension. They are Sarah Fransack, and Erica Rogers. They will be discussing important considerations that a producer must have at this time of the year when the calendar turns to a new season. Sarah?
1: Hello and welcome to the virtual coffee break with the MSU Dairy team. I'm Sarah Franzak. I am an environmental management educator based out of Hillsdale County. And I'm going to be here today talking to you about manure and manure management with my coworker and co-host Erica Rogers. Erica, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Yeah, thanks Sarah. So my
2: name is Erica Rogers. I am also an environmental management educator working with all things manure, basically. So the two of us are going to tag team
1: and give you guys some fun facts today. All right. And uh, we cover the whole state. So if you guys ever need to reach out to us about anything, we're, we're available for you. You can find us through the MSU Extension website or you could call our offices. So Erica, can you give us some information about manure management?
2: I would love to. So we're first gonna start with talking about manure spreading. So one of the things that we talk about are common locations where manure spills tend to take place. Um, And those include areas where equipment is used for manure um, and manure storages that are not properly inspected or maintained. Um, Additionally, these bills can occur on roadways um, and it also can mean over application of manure in fields. So when we talk about manure transfer equipment specifically, one of the biggest things to consider are any potential corrosion points where that manure is moving through that equipment. So hose couplings tend to be a really common location for possible leaks and equipment failure. Some other equipment considerations that we talk about um, include moving manure from the storage to hauling equipment, such as a semi-tanker, or if you're taking the manure out of the storage and putting it directly into the spreader. Those are also areas where we have to watch for potential manure spills. If a semi-tanker is being used, considerations need to be taken when actually transferring that manure then from the semi to the spreader. So wherever that semi is going with that manure, there's also the other transfer point of getting that manure into the spreader. Now I know we've, you know, talked about hose couplings already, but it bears mentioning again um, because we've heard that that tends to be areas or the one of the areas where we see a lot of leaking of manure and breaking points of the equipment. So check those babies multiple times to make sure that the connection points of the hoses um, aren't gonna become a potential source of a manure spill. Another place that we see manure spills, and Sarah's gonna go into this into a little bit more detail, um, so I'll just mention it, but underground pipelines as well, if you're using those pipelines to transfer manure between locations. And then lastly, it's important to consider how much volume each piece of transfer equipment can hold or what kind of pump through exists for any pumps or pipes that you're using. Ideally, it's great when we can fill, you know, and use those pieces of equipment to their maximum capacity. But if you overfill or go over the proper capacity limit that's um, listed by the manufacturer of that equipment, you increase your chance of having a leak or a spill that much more those are kind of some of the things we talk about when we're considering manure spills and equipment. So one of the other areas that I mentioned earlier are roadways. So it's really important to watch carefully to prevent these manure spills. So intersections where stopping and going and turning occurs along with other vehicles that exist besides the actual manure hauling equipment. So the equipment that's actually responsible or that you're responsible for. You now have other people and other vehicles potentially involved that have to be considered. Some of those vehicles, some of the people driving may not be paying attention. Um, So it's really important to have your focus on on the road and the, the intersection where you're at to make sure that you don't have a potential source of a manure spill. Taking turns or curves too fast can also be a point where a manure spill may occur. So. It is important to follow speed limits and suggested speed limits around those curves. You know, one of the other points to consider with that too. A lot of times, the manure hauling equipment tends to have a taller stature than other vehicles, and so that makes the tipping point more vulnerable for these vehicles. Um, And also, if you think about hauling liquid manure, if you're taking that turn too fast, gravity is going to work against you. That manure, liquid manure, is going to slosh in there and even if the vehicle itself can handle the turn, um, the manure may make it very difficult and potentially impossible just by its weight alone. So watching those curves and when you're making turns as well. Another part of roadways that we talk about um, are driving for conditions. So it's important to think about the weather forecast. So things such as rain, ice, or snow can really make for slippery roadways. um, And it can also make the visibility really difficult not only seeing further ahead, but also the road itself. Ideally hauling manure during these times would be avoided because typically we don't recommend applying manure uh, during those times as well, but understandably so. Sometimes that's when it happens. And so just having that in mind couple other things to consider with roadways. Um, Distractions while on the road. Cell phones have become a lot more popular. Smartphones. So avoiding texting. um, If you don't have to be on the phone, talking on the phone, distracting yourself with that. Ideally, you'd have your focus specifically on the road. Um, And things such as even eating or drinking can be a potential distraction. So Other things could be unforeseen circumstances that may arise, no matter how careful you're being. So we know in Michigan, we have a lot of deer, especially this time of year. So um, deer, other drivers that aren't paying attention can really wreak havoc when hauling manures. It's important, just like with any area uh, that manure is being handled, to have an emergency spill response plan mapped out before hauling that manure on a roadway to make sure that you can Basically to make sure that you have something in place should those unforeseen circumstances come to fruition. Lastly, the other area we talk about um, is over application of manure in fields. And while over application is not always thought of as a source for manure spills, it can lead to exactly that. And it's really important not to underestimate the consequences that can result from over application. Too much manure being applied to a field can create a greater potential for surface runoff of nutrients to occur, and it can also lead to leaching of those nutrients, Uh, especially if you have a tiled field. These tile lines can then become a direct conduit of those nutrients to surface waters. So to prevent over-application of manure, it's crucial to have updated soil and manure analyses. Um, as well as knowing what the crop nutrient uptake is going to be in that field, depending on what crops you're planting and your crop rotation. By having those things available, that helps to determine the proper application rate, which in turn helps prevent overapplication. Along with, you know, appropriate matching of existing and applied nutrients, weather conditions also need to be assessed. So just like when we talked about, you know, hauling manure and heavy snowfall, rain, ice, things like that. We also see those as potential problem points for application of manure, um, and even snow melt can really cause major spills to occur, um, especially if the manure is recently applied to a field or is applied at the same time as one of those events occurring. So a couple recommendations we like to talk about to help avoid manure spills in the field, if possible, is to incorporate the manure to prevent nutrient runoff, as well as simply avoiding application during those conditions. Along with examining weather conditions, we also want to examine soil conditions. So you may have a perfectly clear day, um, but you may have saturated soil still from some previous rainfall or previous snow melt. And so saturated soils and tile lines can be a recipe for disaster um, if you're gonna apply manure. So before application occurs, any tile lines should be checked to see if they're running with water. And if they are, it's very likely that if manure is applied during this time, it will also end up running out of the tile lines. And then the other soil condition we talk about is frozen ground. So applying on frozen ground very much so um, increases the likelihood of surface runoff occurring, especially if that manure is over applied. So those are just a few points to think about when land applying manure and trying to prevent over application that could cause a spill. you know, the thought of uh, dealing with a manure spill and the consequences that come along with that spill can be daunting. But by taking some of the factors discussion, this portion of the podcast into account, a lot of times will help
1: prevent some of these costly spills and also help you plan should an unforeseen spill occur. Yeah, it's always better to be prepared for something that never happens, right?
2: Exactly, exactly. Isn't it that they say, you know, you have a plan in place, you're good to go. If you don't have a plan in place, that's when stuff happens, it seems like.
1: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, thanks to Erica for giving us those tips. Um, they seem pretty timely now that we're entering the winter season. We're going to see mm-hmm. lots of those changes in yep. in temperature and precipitation. I'm going to be talking a little bit about manure storage and underground transfer equipment, which can be really affected um, by the temperatures that we have across Michigan in the winter and also the precipitation amount that we have in Michigan. It's crucial that livestock producers keep close eye on the manure storage structures and pumping equipment during the winter and it's important to inspect those pieces of equipment. Uh, We need to monitor the condition of manure storage structures as well as the manure transfer pipes and pumps and valves to ensure that they're performing as expected, um, even in severe weather conditions like very, very cold temperatures where we would get frost deeper in the ground than we would expect. We recommend that all farms develop a regular schedule to inspect each component of your manure storage and pumping equipment. Farm size and complexity of the manure storage system, mechanical devices, pumps and valves, and the type of storage structure and occurrence of rainfall and snowmelt should all be considered when determining inspection frequency. So depending on how complicated it is, it should uh, affect how often that that you need to inspect it. Um, Regular checks and maintenance of all pumps agitators, uh, pumping and valves and other mechanical and electrical equipment, just to make sure that everything is in good operating condition, can minimize the risk of any spills or leaks. Permitted farms are required to check all the manure transfer equipment and manure storage structures weekly. The extreme cold might necessitate checking more often. Small and medium livestock farms don't have to do that because they're not permitted. However, they should initiate their own monitoring process if they haven't already. So developing a checklist of items to be inspected, including dates and times of inspection, would be a useful tool um, to ensure a thorough, um, thorough process and a regular timely process. So, as we head into winter, you should consider scheduling your manure storage self inspection before too much snow builds up. And we're going to go over a few things to look for. First, um, you might have a maintenance sheet in your CNMP that'll give you details about your inspection. If you don't have a sheet, um, don't worry. Here are a few things that you can uh, start out your sheet with. Before you start, Uh, hauling manure in the late fall and winter, you might have um, some pipelines that you need to flush. So flush the pipelines before transferring waste material and use clean water to clean them out afterwards. So put clean water in them to flush them out. That way you can check for any leaks before you put manure in there and then uh, flush them out afterwards to, to keep them from buildup of any dry material that might get hung up in the pipe. You also will reduce the risk of any gas buildup that's in the pipeline, um, which could lead to pipe explosions or it will help prolong the life of the pipeline. Make revisions for removing solids from pipelines, um, such as concrete-lined ditches and grates. So um, if there's areas in your pipeline that are open, um, these sometimes get built up with solids or, you know, it could even be something like a down tree or some um, roots from plants or something like that. So um, clearing out those conveyances before you push manure through them is, is really helpful. Mechanical failure during pumping is one of the largest causes of manure spills mechanical failure may occur due to the pump or hose connections, which Erica talked about. Um, Periodically checking on these connections for leakage or obstructions during pumping is important. If something such as manure, solids, or sand, or other material is obstructing the manure's flow, the pipe connection may burst and manure will end up in unwanted areas. Filling underground pipelines with clean water before using them helps get the pipes flowing and it eliminates areas of low flow where solids could accumulate. If you have sand bedding, it can be really hard on equipment. It's abrasive and it can wear on pipes, especially at turns and bends. One way to inspect pipes would be to use a pipe camera, plumbers and other contractors that specialize in looking at pipes um, have these cameras and you could hire them. And uh, in my experience, municipalities plan to film their sewer pipes every five years. I think this interval is probably a really good practice for um, farm manure piping also. That way you can prevent any um, weakened pipes um, from creating issues with leaks and you can catch that before there's a big problem. When inspecting manure storages, producers should look at cracks or holes in the embankment, especially around where piping is connected into the storage, any kind of wet areas on the slopes surrounding the manure storage. You should look for eroded areas, place where gullies have formed um, around the embankments. Uh, Rodent damage can be particularly devastating in a manure storage, and this time of year, it's easier to see those when the grass is died, and um, you can see those rodent um, holes a lot easier. Any place that a tree or a shrubbery might have um, impacted the storage with its roots, and if you find leakage from the base or the sidewall of a lagoon or storage structure, you should take the following steps to uh, stop any additional manure releases. You need to fix uh, weak spots with any clay type soil, create a dam away from the berm or dig a small hole to catch the spill and making cleanup easier, trap or remove any burrowing animals if they cause holes and fill the holes and compact them with a clay type soil. And you should seek engineering assistance because your manure storage has been compromised and it needs to be assessed if it's solid again, or if it needs to be repaired in a more complete way. Um, that's what we look at for transfer equipment and for manure storage. Sounds so, like
2: a lot of pre-planning and planning ahead, just like when we're talking about manure spreading um, to you know prevent the problem before it occurs.
1: Right, yeah, there's a lot of inspection that, that takes place. Um, because it's a lot easier to clean something up if it never happens. Exactly. <laughs> it's
2: almost invisible at that point, maybe. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> So um, from there, I'm going to take it, and we're actually going to talk about one program that has been developed to kind of help go through some of the things that we've talked about already, but also as a, as a certification um, so it's the the newly formed Michigan Manure Hauler Certification Program. So this program is a program for farm owners and employees, as well as for hire applicators or you know firms if you'd prefer to call them a firm, uh, in the state of Michigan. And so uh, Michigan State University Extension, along with Michigan Farm Bureau, has partnered to, to create this program. So the goals of the program are to prevent manure application problems before they occur, increase nutrient management plan implementation, uh, improve professionalism along or among manure applicators, demonstrate responsible manure application, And then lastly, to increase the base level of manure management knowledge of all employees. So in order to obtain these goals, there are three levels that have been set forth. The first one uh, is the bronze level or the bronze standard. And so by completing this first level, it allows for insurance held by Michigan Farm Bureau to provide a 5% reduction on the liability and farm personal property sections of the insurance policy. If the second level is completed, level two or the silver level, um, there's also a 5% reduction from Michigan Farm Bureau on the liability and farm personal property sections of the insurance policy, along with additional incentives from Michigan Farm Bureau. And then finally, by completing level three or the the gold level gold standard, the um, insurance reduction from Michigan Farm Bureau increases to 10% along with the levels and the completion of the levels, you know that's going to depend really on the owner uh, of the farm or the, the employer, um, the company owner, as far as what levels need to be achieved. So additionally, with the, the levels, there is an annual manure management summit, um, which is held for all levels. So it's not just a certain level that attends, it's all levels. And it covers it'll cover any regulatory updates, any scientific and research updates and other manure management related information. So those who attend will be expected to pass a knowledge check test at the end of the summit in order to maintain their certification. Once you've completed that level, you're good to go there, but to keep that certification in that level, you need to attend this summit yearly and pass the knowledge check test. So um, it just helps ensure that knowledge is staying current and that people are staying up to date on the newest information that's available. The 2021 summit is going to be held this January in a virtual format. We're still working on the dates, which we should have those soon, um, but just kind of wanted to give that plug now. So something else that the certification program also offers are, are economic advantages, which that includes the significant premium discounts to farms and firms. Um, And other states such as Wisconsin that are currently implementing a similar program have been able to really increase their discounts received through the program with their proven track record. So it's been really nice to kind of watch Wisconsin go through this and to see how effective it's been. It makes us really excited that this program is now available in Michigan for our our manure haulers. Um, Again, whether that's farm employees
1: um, or uh, firms that are doing this. It's nice to know that Wisconsin kind of guinea pigged it for us so we don't have to I know. do that here.
2: I know, it was super nice. We've worked with a lot of great people over uh, at UW Extension to <laughs> to kind of get this program piloted. So, um, you know, the, the other thing that's really nice about the program too is that it helps demonstrate agriculture's commitment towards environmental sustainability, which creates a more positive perception of the land application of manure, and it also gives an element of credibility to those applying manure, which I think right now has become really important a lot of people are starting to watch agriculture more as far as the practices that are being done you know how manure is handled how the animals are handled and this is just a really great program and a great way to you know show what a great job that agriculture does with this stuff um, and it, it gives some confidence to those consumers so um, the the last thing i'd say too is if you have more questions or if you want more information or have questions about the program or the summit feel free to contact Charles Gould, myself, or Sarah. Uh, you can find us on the MSU website.
1: Yeah, we're working pretty hard on uh, on that summit for it to be mm-hmm. uh, interesting. Um, it'll be easy for you to attend because it'll be virtual this year and um we'd be happy to to see you there Um, i like to have confidence in my cheese so (laughs) um it's it's nice to be able to to add that little gold star um to agriculture when we can yeah exactly
2: Um,
1: so our final topic today is going to be about silage So I know most of you probably put up silage a long time ago or it feels like so long ago um, and all that silage has cooked down quite a bit, but we're going to talk a little bit about silage storage um, because it's something that uh, that we need to look at for any kind of like leaks um, as we enter this time of year where we, we are seeing snow and, and um, rain and snow melt um, can be issues with silage because moisture content at the time of harvest is critical but so is the moisture that gets into the silage storage. Corn silage, for bunker silos should be harvested when plants are between 65% and 70% moisture, which is 30 to 35% dry matter. Moisture levels can be even lower for corn silage stored in upright silos or bags, though they shouldn't fall below 60%. A range of 60 to 70% moisture, 30 to 40% dry matter is optimal for alfalfa haylage at harvest. Silage harvested at higher than prescribed moisture levels can produce substantially more leachate and leachate can have negative production-related consequences. It removes nutrients, particularly soluble nitrogen and carbohydrates from the forage. Because of its corrosiveness, leachate can damage the silo structure. Silage leachate can have impacts on surface and groundwater too. Leachate has a high biochemical oxygen demand, or a BOD, that can lower the oxygen content in soils and surface water. These can lead to metal leaching from the soil, or fish kills and lower oxygen and surface water, and it can be devastating in both instances. It's important to inspect your silage storage. They should be kept watertight. Any holes in silo bags should be patched immediately. Plastic covers on bunker silos can be helpful. However, the silage and the walls of the silo need to be completely covered to prevent water from running down the sides of the silo. So whatever tarp or plastic cover that you use should stretch over the sides of the silo and not just end where the silage ends, but end where the silo ends. Clean the pad to remove the litter that is you know, lost when you use the silage. These practices can help to reduce leachate during the normal freeze-thaw cycles that we have in the winter can lead to like pooling of water in these kinds of storages. So any leachate should be diverted with a berm or control structure to a storage system and be treated. A common disposal practice is to divert the effluent into a liquid manure storage. However, this should be done with caution due to the large amounts of hydrogen sulfide that can be released, which can be deadly gas for people that are nearby. So land application normally follows storage of silage leachate with manure, and testing of manure and leachate is highly recommended due to the potential for vegetative burning. That's a summary of what we look for in a silage storage. We're looking forward to the winter. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Hopefully, hopefully we get some good, good snow this year. I felt uh, some people might disagree with me on that, but I felt really cheated about the lack of snow we got last year.
1: Yeah, I hear you. Um, I, you know, I wanted to go more, do more sledding with my kids and it just didn't pan out. So I'm really looking forward to going sledding and doing, (laughs) having some snowball fights because I can still beat them in snowball fights. Right. And you gotta, you gotta hold on
2: to that as long as you can at this
1: point. (laughs) Oh, I don't know about you guys, uh, listeners, but uh, I'm sure that uh, we'll make it through this winter and um, these are just a few tips that hopefully were going to be useful to you. Thanks for listening.
0: We would like to thank Erica and Sarah for the great information shared on today's episode. Definitely those points are critical to the work producers to this time of the year. As they mentioned, they can be reached with questions or additional information. You can find them in the MSU Extension website that will be MSUE dot msu.edu, and you can find them on their experts thank you to all the listeners that tune in to this bonus episode the virtual coffee break with the msu extension dairy team will be back for 2021 so stay tuned and we hope you join us then